I think for Vic and I, it was more friendship than anything. Like it wasn't just a business transaction. Like we were there to go and do something as a, as a team. And, you know, we enjoyed each other's company. I think half, half the reason why I stayed on the bag is, or he kept me on the bag as long as he did. He thoroughly enjoyed having me there. Welcome to the Pure Golf Collective. We are your hosts, Carter Bennett and John Roy. Together through this, we bring a new lens on themes of development, performance, and process. The idea of the collective is to investigate and celebrate the intrinsic values of golfers and the obsession to the purity of the game. The collective is not just who we hear on this podcast, but any person invested into growth and connection to golf. We are golfers celebrating all that is pure in the game we love. Welcome back to the Pure Golf Collective. We are on episode number 12. First things first, last week's Masters, another one for the history books. Uh, Great golf tournament and a well-deserved win for Hideki. Both the fantasy tour and the pool that we did for the tournament was a great success lots of participation which was great to see looking forward to continuing on with both of those things this week we're going to be considering the topic and the role of the caddy and thinking back to the masters something that went slightly viral was hideki's caddy after the final round putting the pin back in after taking the flag and giving a bow to augusta national and this is something that we don't typically see uh, and is definitely part of a, a cultural thing, but the class and the respect given back to Augusta for the experience and the opportunity to be out there and taking it on was truly awesome to see. It just goes to show that it's not just the players out there working and grinding, stressing. It's the the team between the player and the caddy making it all happen over the the week of the golf tournament and we're going to hear more about this in particular today from a good friend of ours Pete White who had the opportunity to go overseas and caddy for Victor Perez as he was grinding through the challenge tour and made his way onto the European tour and started having some success and now a year or so later we're seeing him on the tv in the biggest competitions playing against the best players in the world and pete got to be along for part of that ride as he has started to rise in the world golf rankings as i think about my experience in my golf journey i've had some caddies for my own game at particular events nothing too serious and i've also had the opportunity to caddy for some players at some pretty cool events as well and it's always been something for me, I suppose, because it's not my career or job, but something that I've just enjoyed doing. And it's an intrinsic motivation to be out there supporting a player, trying to pursue their dreams or their goals, whatever they may be. 
Yeah, the caddying, well, the caddying, I'm talking more about mentorship and the curious, the curious relationship between the id and the ego effectively, right? And the caddy plays the role of sort of the rational. There's, a, there's some philosophical undertones to the caddy player relationship beyond the carrying of the bag and the management of the game. Although management of the game, the caddy stands for the rationality of the Pythagorean system, I agree. And so there is a linkage for caddying and the mathematical probabilities of shot dispersions, for sure. Like you should aim to the left side of the green and therefore the up and down will be easier is a good thing for the caddy to tell the player. And when a player plays alone, hopefully they have an id and an ego, a caddy and their passion itself that is able to kind of balance the rationality with the intuition. Caddy stands for rationality and the player stands for intuition. So the, furthermore, the caddy, I think, then also could stand for a mentor like the caddies in the, in the GPC program where the caddy essentially helps a younger player understand what is coming in the future. And so a caddy has the sort of the big picture divorced from emotion. And that becomes a, a rational, like in, play, in platonic terms, that's the, that's the driver of the horse. There's a horse and there's a carriage, you know, in, in all those, in those old school analogies of dualism. And so the, car the carriage represents the rationality and that's the goal of humankind is effectively to be more rational and less animalistic. So the caddy plays a huge role in like leveling out our emotional management and so on and so forth. Anyway, that's way too philosophical, but at the same time, kind of Below. a fun way of looking at the angle. Yeah, I think uh, you, can, you could bring that back to a little bit more scientific though, too. Like as much as you dive into the, the philosophical rabbit holes, if you will. Yeah. When you think about how the caddy can manage a player's emotions, what what's really happening is like a, a cognitive uh, support in cognitive processing. So as a player is out there playing and engaging in the sport, they're in a much more beautiful flow of uh, what would be a neurological processing or cognitive processing from bottom up. And that process will... Yeah create more comfort and ease and flow in experience when we get provided the opportunity for organization from a top down that generally is where we start to be evoked towards thinking and emotions and a different perception of the stimulus so the caddy's role there is kind of like I'll take care of the top-down processing, taking in all this extra stimulus and really trying to analytically break it down for you so you can stay in a little bit more of this bottom-up processing and just staying with your process and staying in the moment, staying in the experience to manage or limit the fluctuation of state in, in the player's experience. That's cool. That's, that's um, much more psychology degree based than I'd even thought and, and gives me great comfort to know that my random <laughs> thinking of it has a bit of a scientific basis, if you know what I mean, as opposed to a pseudoscience and, and so on, right? Like there's something cool about the way you're thinking about that. Here's my even deeper curiosity about it all. Fire away. Why is golf the only sport where there's a caddy? What is that? What are we thinking? Why don't other sports have it? Why does a tennis player not have a person carry their bag out for them, walk over beside them in between points and say, hey, he likes to serve it on the backhand. Just remember that. And yet we don't. 
And I would think that uh, the high jumper could really use a little bit of help there as he's preparing for his jump as uh, the guy walks up. And, you know, you have a coach in some sports that might fulfill some of that caddy role. Um, you have a coach on the bench in hockey and the line mates and all that kind of stuff. But it is, it's a truly unique phenomenon. Now, there's a surface level of that, which was completely distasteful to me as a young man, which is the sort of inherent inequalities of the caddy system. There is a poor person, perhaps a minority, who carries the bag for the rich person who somehow is more successful and doesn't need to carry his own bag anymore. Kind of old school royalty kind of argument of what a caddy is all about, right? That's curious to me just as a starting point. But then uh, aside of all of that, because we're in the 21st century now and things are different and, uh, and so we can hopefully suggest that we've beyond that at least to a degree and therefore, we can talk about the caddy more in the practicality of it as a, as a psycho, psychology professor, as you just perfectly su- summarized, um, this idea of, you know, perceptions come in and we have intuitions on how to deal with them that the athlete, if they have the proper organization behind them, can, can just be completely lost in the dealing with the perceptions and reacting and creating the shot that's needed. You know, because they can rely on the fact that the caddy is going to make sure that they've considered these other options as well, which would, if the player had to take the time to consider them, perhaps it would interrupt his flow experience, I guess. There's definitely a, a potential for that, for sure. You know, I don't know. I, I think every relationship with a caddy is different too, right? What the caddy provides for the player is going to be a totally unique relationship. It's, it's hard to say what the role is of a caddy if there is uh, amongst many roles. There's definitely many roles for any caddy, what, what those roles are for any given relationship. Uh, it's very challenging besides the principal function of carrying the bag and cleaning the balls, which is fascinating. It does go back to, I would say, a history of the game that is very, uh, very questionable, right? Uh, that elitism idea and is still very prevalent in the game in some parts of the world more than others. You know, now it's, it provides opportunity a lot for, for more engagement with kids. You know, you hear kids getting out there and getting engaged by the game for carrying some rich dudes clubs around. Right. I, I actually had a couple of buddies that got into golf because they used to caddy up at the national as kids and they weren't really, they weren't really golfers. They just did it. And now they're some of my best golfing buddies. It's, it's Byron uh, Nelson it and Ben Hogan, Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan at the same club in Texas, you know, doing the same thing, right? Like it's, it's kind of, it's a big part of player development in a yeah. funny way um, because it allows young people who otherwise wouldn't have access to the country club to be on the country club and to learn and, and to um, be able to model uh, behaviors and, and so on. And it could be, you know, putting, putting kids on a better path, uh, quote unquote, uh, and all of those things, which would be, you know, part of the argument for sustaining elitism though at the same time anyway i don't want to get too heavy with this concept on, on that side of it although although that exists and i think we need an asterisk when we use the word caddy we have to recognize that in some parts of the world there will be an instant connotation of oppression mm-hmm. um, that that's fair and i think i think we would be doing a disservice to, to not acknowledge that but but the purpose of the chat today i think is less about the uh the the free and the oppressed and so much more about this interesting dynamic that happens in the sport of golf where a player who will fire caddies a lot in his career and come and go and all of this kind of stuff, but effectively looks in the eyes of another person and says, you 
complete me. And that to me is interesting, a very interesting choice in the central rules of the game that players shall play with a caddy. Strange. It certainly is interesting and perhaps strange, but that we know and are well aware that there are lots of strange rules in this game we love. I think we did a great job kind of setting the tone for this caddying discussion and next week we'll be following up and kind of diving into these ideas uh, i think a little bit more deeply specifically around the purpose of the caddy the relationship between the player and the caddy and and so forth but for now we get to discuss with a guy that's been been in the ropes been on the bag as it were looping for a very high level player Peter White is a friend of ours and had a really cool opportunity a number of years ago to get on the bag for Victor Perez as he was competing on the Challenge Tour, which is the level below the European Tour, which is a great avenue for a lot of young professionals in the pursuits to making it to the big league. Peter had the opportunity to go overseas and travel and caddy for Victor. And we have the opportunity today to learn and gather some insights from his time doing that and learn a little bit about his relationship and some of the cool experiences that he had while he was taking on this role in supporting the player and having a relationship or friendship grow through their time together as well. So let's move into that discussion. Hey, Pete, great to have you on and uh, look forward to hearing about your uh, golf journey and experiences and uh, especially a little bit of insights to the caddying on the other side of the world. To get us started, why don't you give us a, a little bit of background about where you're coming from and what's kind of got you to where you're at now in the golf world? Yeah, absolutely. You know, thanks for having me. Um, I started playing golf around like that 15-year-old mark and uh, from that first nine hole experience that we had, I just got really hooked into it. And from there on, it just became this almost obsession of golf and how much fun you could have playing it, being outside, being with your friends, just enjoying the basically like how difficult the game is and how you can find a way to get better. Uh, that's something that I've always you know, really thought was very fascinating. How do you get better at something, especially something you love? And it just, it, it got me right away. Just, I just was been by the, by, uh, by the game and I loved it. Uh, during high school, like we were doing the ability to go do a co-op and I was like, I got to do it at a, at a golf course. And I was able to do it at Glen Abbey where I got to meet so many fantastic people that I'm still really close with. One I work with right now who, uh, who's one of my really close mentors, Stu Banatine, who's always been there along the way. Uh, yeah, me Stu. Whatever. Uh, uh, it's really special that I'm able to work with him on a daily basis and we can grow in the company that we're in right now, which is, it's just seeing the growth of the game at this moment and seeing where we can go with what we're doing. It's really amazing. Mm -hmm. So having Stu there along the ride is fantastic. But yeah, like as I was doing that, I just kept enjoying the game more and more. That was the year that I was in grade 12 and we we're trying to figure out what I was going to be doing moving forward. And by the time I was graduated uh, grade 12, we were like, okay, 
were some good options. We talked to uh, Sean and Alf Calhill uh, as well, and they said Core uh, Golf Academy down in Florida, uh, out of Orlando, would be a really good spot for me. So I ended up doing a gap year, which um, which took me down there for about a month, and then I just loved it so much that I just kept doing it. So. I instead of just being there in 2013 in January, just for that month, it ended up being February and March and, uh, and April. And I just, I fell in love with it. Uh, just being down there, the, the grind in the, sh- like just everything about going to practice every day, everything about going to work out, eat well, practice, try and get as good as you can down there. It just, it was, a, it was amazing for me. And I met so many wonderful people down there that helped shape who I am now. And it's like, I still get to chat with them uh, here and there. They've, some of them have just played major parts throughout the last couple of years, especially with all the caddying experience that I've had going to the European tour caddying for Vic. And it's pretty amazing uh, how that all, all happens. And it's almost, it almost makes you believe that you're meant to do things in a way where you go and you're supposed to have these experiences and you get presented with options to do what you want to do. And going down there and meeting some of these people, it's almost by chance that you would have, you would have met them somehow. Cora just opened up a golf cat or sorry, a golf uh, education program. So golf management. And I did that for a couple years, those months preceding that, you know, it allowed me to grow up quite a bit, which was nice. And ended up, getting a job at the national caddying and that was pretty uh that was a pretty amazing experience getting to be there what a facility that is by the mm-hmm. way like what a golf course uh around that yeah, i would say april mark in or is that may mark in 2018 i joined credit valley one of my really good friends that i met at core joe shusha he um he had just moved to credit valley as well after being a member of the national for a few years and we hit it off or like we didn't hit off. We went to play uh, a couple times, just reconnected. And we'd always kept in touch since, since those core days, Joe's done very well for himself in golf and in business. And he had, he's, he had been afforded the ability to sponsor and be an agent for a guy on the, on the challenge tour. And he, he told me this crazy story about how he had met Victor through Victor's roommate over in London, they just had, um, it just all by chance. Again, it's, it's funny how it always goes back to that, but, um, uh, James, uh, had introduced Joe to Victor, uh, and said, Hey, he's a really good player. He just finished. I think he was 18th on the challenge for ranking by the time, uh, June came, Joe and I were going out to play one day and he was telling me a little bit more about him. And on the fourth hole, he was like, Hey Pete, like, Vic needs a new caddy. Would you go over and start caddying for him for a few weeks and just see how it goes? And I said, absolutely. Like, like let's get this done. Yeah. Like, it's one of those once in a lifetime chances that A, you get to travel, which is really amazing. B, like I, you know, heard about how talented Vic was and I was like, yeah, you know what? I mean, sure. Why not? Like I thought I knew some really good golf and I had zero idea what I was in for until that first day on the range when I had got to Italy and just seen the seeing Vic, just like, you know, like, Hey, how's it going sort of thing. Like, let's go uh, hit a few. And 
like the ball ball striking was unbelievable like the sound the ball made the consistency of it like it was just different like seeing totally. the guys on the range like you would know it yourself seeing like one or two of those guys at some of the events like you know there's there's a guy that's different and Vic was always that guy at every single range we were on uh especially on challenge sure that he just he was a lot he was a he was a very prepared guy to make the next jump. It was just a matter of when that was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, me being there, which was, was you know, I, th- I almost feel like I was just along for a really cool ride at the end of the day. But it was amazing to see his transformation from that first week to the middle part of the year to the end of the year where we had won in China to where we were. Uh, on the European tour, our final couple of weeks. And then to see where he is now, like within the span, I think it was after he and I separated where he can me. Um, he won in a, I think he won within two months or three months with JP Fitzgerald, Roy's old caddy. And just watching him win at St. Andrews where he, he lives 20 minutes away. Uh, like basically one of the greatest home wins you could possibly have. And to see where he is now, like 31st in the world, you know, he's a, a, a I think he's going to be a mainstay on the Ryder Cup team moving forward. And he's going to be one of those guys that he's just always there. Just he will, his name is always going to be up there just because of how consistent he's, he is ball striking, drives it incredibly well. And when he gets hot with a putter, it's like, I mean, it's pretty much he can do whatever he needs to do to get the W. So it's like just seeing all those things from that first week to where we were now, like it's almost unbelievable to see. Right. And believe it. If Joe had told me like, Hey, you would have done this. Like we chatted about this constantly. Like if you had told me that you guys would have done what you did uh, at the start of this, like he would have told you, like you're lying. There's no way that could have happened. But like, it's amazing what the power of believing in, what you're doing and who you believe you are that it can get you places, especially in the world of golf. Totally, man. That's, uh, that's really awesome. And it's great that you got to witness how the belief and a belief system can work in creating the reality that might not have seemed so believable at one point. Perhaps if you don't mind, could you share one of your coolest experiences or your, greatest memory from your time uh looping for victor on the challenge tour and european tour yeah like i mean there's i think there's probably two that stick out to me um i'd say one was our uh our second last week in china so from that first practice round we i don't think we were in the greatest mindset as a team at the moment like it just wasn't there and I don't think we're really all there. The more, I think it was a long season. We've been, we hadn't missed a cut on the challenge tour yet. We hadn't missed a cut in probably three or four months. And that's, you're playing a lot of really good golf. Like our highest finish or lowest finish, I would say is probably, I think we didn't finish outside the top 25 in that span. And it's pretty amazing to play that level of golf over that consistency of time. And we get to the first round and, you know, we didn't really start off that great. It it was kind of an okay start. I think we made the turnaround plus one or plus two, something like that. And we 
we just kind of looked at each other and said like what are we doing like like let's get in it let's you know figure this out let's make the turn and let's really get going and something clicked and we you know we started playing some really solid golf i think we finished the first round at two or three under and would you know really good round at the golf course that we were playing like super super nice well laid out uh tough but fair so we did that. We were in the second last group going into the third round. We were playing with one of our close friends. You know, it was nice to have a little bit of conversation, you know, with the caddy or the other player, you know, here and there, but only at like, as you're walking off tee shots, really nothing, nothing really in the middle of the fairway as you're getting to the ball, like for your second shots. And we had shot, I believe we, uh, believe we got to about I think it was 12 under or 11 under. We were leading and going into the final round, which, you know, was really cool. We played a really, really solid round that third round. And we just chatted um, like, hey, let's just let's just go do it sort of thing. And started off that that final round really solid. Uh, first hole was really good. And then uh, third or second hole, like it's almost like those bounces that you get when you win. Like the mm-hmm. almost needed. And Vic hit this little pull seven iron. I think it was like from 155 meters or something like that. Normally this ball, like nine times out of 10, this ball's bouncing in, in the rough, going in the water. His ball stopped in the rough and just held there. And we got out there and like, we were both probably a little bit nervous. I was like, oh no, not again. Like, what are we doing? Like, come on, like, let's hold it together. And he got up there and hit this really solid chip to about, I think it was a, about a foot, maybe tapped in for par, looked at me and said, let's go, buddy. And uh, from there on, I played some really solid golf. As we got to the 17th green, we, I think we two putted for, uh, for par. We heard this massive roar uh, coming from the 18th green and we're like, oh, someone had to have made a bomb or someone's just made eagle. Like we had no idea what was going on. So we get up, hit our tee shot on 18. It's a long par five. And we wedge it up, or sorry, we hit the layup. We get up there. As we're getting up, we see the leaderboard go to we're down by one to get into a playoff. And one of our really good friends out there, Robert McIntyre, just made an absolute bomb on this 18th hole. I think it was about 65 feet. And we just lifted and we're like, oh, well, I guess we know what we got to do now. And we get up to the, to the shot. It's about 100 yards. And he probably hit one of the – not not the greatest wedge shots he'd ever seen. Like I think in the moment, either nerves got to him or something like that. And we had about a forty foot putt, same similar line as to what uh, Roberts was. And you can see the replay on the screen. And so we just we took a look. And we're like, okay, we kind of have an idea of what this is doing. I was like, hey, you got your stuff. Do your breathing. You know what you need to do. See it. Vision it. Let's go get it. And he went through his routine, did his thing. Vic steps up, he hits it, and you just see this thing tracking the entire way. This thing's probably going like 10 feet by if it doesn't hit the top. <laughs> and it bounced in the back, just dropped in, and he just went absolutely crazy. And it was like, I, I almost blacked out there for a little bit. I just remember that moment. I was like, this is the most surreal thing I could ever imagine. And he just looked at me, he's like, man, let's go win this thing. Like, let's go get this and get up to the playoff hole and uh he looked at that bunker he said i got this don't worry just sends a drive way over it and we had i think it was about maybe 230 in 
Uh, Robert, the guy we got into the playoff with, hit it left to kind of where we were. Laid up, didn't really hit the greatest uh, wedge either. And we just knew, like, we knew him laying up. We had a really good look at going for it. And we hit this four iron. I think we landed it maybe it was like maybe fourth four feet from the from the flag and it just kind of rolled to the back there was a little slope behind it was almost in a little hole and it just rolled there and it kind of rolled back to about like eight feet i want to say robert had just barely got his ball to like that front edge part of the green before uh just over top of where the water would have been chipped it up made his he got to a point where like we knew we just had to like lag it on down there and Robert made his five and we had made our, uh, we had just got there and bit just, you know, just barely tapped it, got it to about maybe a couple inches within the hole, tapped it in and just was yeah, like, we just knew at that moment, we were like, okay, we're there. We made it to the European tour. And we just, we enjoyed that moment so much. And it was unbelievably cool for us to see like all the hard work we had put in all the, all the failures we had had, like we had chances to have won previous situations that we just probably, it was just a team effort that we just didn't get it through. Most of it probably, you know, maybe my lack of experience just being thrown on the bag and just saying, Hey, like, let's go do it. You know, let's just figure out a way to, to maybe get something done here. And everything had just happened so well that everything came together that, that week, it was a massive week for us. And I think it gave some really good confidence moving forward for what we were trying to do. So we proceeded to go a uh, week off in Dubai tour championship was uh, just North of Dubai there. We finished second, had a really good chance to win, just didn't really fall our way, but we finished within a shot of the lead finished uh, just solo second. And then we're getting ready for the European tour which leads into the next. And I think one of the cooler moments for us, very similar to how we started the round or that week in China, you know, first round wasn't our greatest, but we fought back really well. And that's something Vic has always been really, really good at. That man fights. Like he fights so much just to get back into it, no matter what it is like that. He doesn't have any give up in him. And you know, I like, I I'm the same way. Like, we're, we're going to find a way to make something happen. So it was just a good match at that point that we didn't want to let anything kind of go, but we played not the greatest first round, really, really solid second round, third round. And then the final round, we, uh, we were out to dinner together and we were like, I wonder who we're going to get. Like, so we knew Sergio was down on, like, he was up on the leaderboard. He was around where we had finished the, that day. We saw the pairing and we got uh, Jason Scribner, who's an unbelievable uh, guy from Australia. And we got Sergio. And we just knew, like in the sec second last group of the, our first official European tour event, we had, we had a chance to play with one of the all-time greats in the final round and try and see if we can just kick his ass. <laughs> nice. And um, it, was, it was super cool to just get up on the tee. The atmosphere was next level because there was a different vibe around that you know like in the final group i think it was aaron rye matthew fitzpatrick and tommy fleetwood really solid group of guys like you know they'll they'll have that cachet of like you want to see tommy you want to see fitzy but it's not the same as sergio there is something different everyone at that tournament wanted to see sergio yeah and be the guy yeah. oh he was like we had a, a 
big group following us the entire day just for Sergio. But that first tee, like it was different. I felt it was on me pretty hard to really get thick in that mindset of like, okay, let's be very mindful of where we're at. Like the mindfulness aspect of it is very huge for what we were doing in that moment, feeling your feet as you're walking, doing those things that allowed us to get up and just basically act like no one's really out there. We just, we have to hit a golf shot mm-hmm. and he stepped up, absolutely laced one right down the middle of the fairway. And we played a really solid round of golf and like coming down 17, we had made a really good push. We were solo third still like getting to that point of where we were. It was really cool having a crowd around us as well. It was absolutely pissing rain. Like it, I've never seen rain like this in the, in the final round. And we go through 17 and 18 come in and we just, we finished the round, finished T3 and Sergio goes up to Vic, gives him like the, the bro handshake, like, Hey man, like really well, well, well done like today. Like great job. And seeing that moment, seeing that, that risk, that level of respect from one of the greats, it was almost, it was a very cool and surreal experience at the same time where it's just like, you just, you just beat a guy that, you know, he's a multiple Ryder Cup winner, Masters winner. He's going to be one of the greats, especially Spaniard golf. And being in that moment from where we had come to get that was a super, super cool moment for us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something Vic still holds on to just a little bit. And now he's playing with Sergio in practice rounds, doing his thing with him out on, on the big tour and in the big events. But like in the moment at that time, like, I think it was one of those things just to get that, like, Hey, like great job boys. Like that was one of the cooler things I think for me. I can only imagine how amazing that experience was being alongside one of the best in the current game of golf for that uh, four to five hours and being surrounded by the crowds that he would draw out um, a very surreal moment for some slightly rookie pros and caddy out on the on the European tour there. So you talk about the relationship between you and Victor and when you're out on the golf course, you, you know, you talk about we, and it's just kind of curious, you know, what is the, what is the relationship? What was the relationship for you guys? And what were some of the relationships that you would see between the caddies and players out on the golf course and, you know, away from the golf course too? Uh, John and I have been pondering this idea and, you know, is it, is it a business partnership? Is it a friendship? You know, you see lots of different types of scenarios uh on all the different tours and just kind of curious as to what yours was with Vic and you know some of maybe some of the things that you saw out on the European tour. Yeah, I think every every player out there is a little different. Like I think there is always like that that friendship element that you need to have uh, in order to get along the camaraderie of like the caddy and the player. I think for Vic and I, it was more friendship than anything. Like it wasn't just a business transaction. Like we were there to go and do something as a, as a team. And, you know, we enjoyed each other's company. I think half, half the reason why I stayed on the bag is, or he kept me on the bag as long as he did. He thoroughly enjoyed having me there. Right. Um, 
that was, I think, one of the more main things rather than like, yep, just like some of the guys just pick up caddies here and there and just like they'll pick them up and drop them pretty quick uh, if something doesn't click. Uh, Vic, I mean, my, like my first few, I'd say weeks, if not maybe a month or two, I wasn't probably the greatest caddy out there, but like I was able to get him in a place where he was kind of laughing and, you know, we weren't always like thinking about the next shot or doing like in between shots we were able to just talk about like stupid things and when we would get to the shot they'd be like okay now it's a serious thing now it's business and it's that sort of stuff i think everyone's going to have those different elements that mean more to them as a, as a player specifically because i mean they're basically the ceo of their own corporation and like they pick you based off of what they want to get out of that moment with you Vic, for me, probably was just like, I need that friendship. I need that that guy that's going to keep it, keep things light during uh, some of these, you know, harder moments. And I think I did a decently good job at doing that as, as we got through everything. And now it's just like, I look back at it and it's like, I don't think if I was like a super serious, super, you know, like intense person i don't know if we would have been able to have done uh some things that we did me being a pretty laid-back sort of not carefree but you know i i let things come it's a very spur of the moment sort of feel mentality for me allowing those things to happen i think allowed us to just gel really well and we were able to get the most out of what we did awesome man i appreciate you uh sharing that and opening up you know, you've been around the golf world pretty intensely now for the better part of 12 years. Kind of curious, what is it about golf? What is it about golf that just gets people excited? Why are we so obsessed with this game? I think it's the fact that it humbles so many people. Like, I like to explain to people that I work with quite a bit. I have zero business knowing 95% of the people I know, but this game allows me to do it. It brings me specifically at the same level on the same golf course with someone who's very accomplished, very successful in their own industry. It brings us down to the same playing level and we can just be, you know, be humans out there and just enjoy that, that round together. Um, the struggle of trying to be hit the perfect golf shot, I think is something as well. Does that exist? Uh, you know what? I don't know if it does actually. <laughs> nice. I think I think it can in your mind, but I don't know if it's always going to be perfect. Yeah. Your preparation can be perfect, but I don't know if the yeah. shot can be. I would say like like golf in general, I think it brings people together. Like you can it's a very intimate sport if you want to make it that way. Like you can make it as you can walk as close as you want to with someone on on the course, or you can see as far away as you possibly can. Like I know I've had some, some of my own personal rounds where I've made really close friends out of people. I never thought I would just by chatting along the whole way. And it's been fantastic. And sometimes you just, you don't really want to be around people too much, you know, like you'll play with your buddies and like you just say, hey guys, I just need a few holes. Like, just let me do my thing. And that's, I think one of the most wonderful things about this game is you can do it with, so many people or you can just do it by yourself and allow yourself to 
try and get as good as you can or just enjoy the moments you can with all your friends. Yeah. Very cool. I certainly agree with what you have to say there. And, uh, you know, as I think about the obsession to the game, it is, it is really a lot of what you're saying and it just has so much variety to offer people, whether it's just escaping or it's business, creating new relationships, uh, enhancing relationships. Uh, golf always draws us back to uh, a little sense of community and like-mindedness. We got one last segment for you. It's called Rapid Fire. We take all our guests through it. We got quick question, quick answer. I'll throw something at you. You give me a quick reply to it. Sound good? Absolutely. All right. Are you going to hit a cut or a draw? Cut. Glove or no glove? Glove all day. Hybrid or driving iron? Hybrid. Music or no music? Tough. I would... Most days, no music. Someday, with, when you're with the guys, music. Grip and rip or tactical conservative? Grip and rip. Bushnell or feel? Uh, Bushnell. Links or parkland? Ooh. It's tough. There's so many good parkland, so many good links. I'd say parkland at the end of the day. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Beautiful. Love it, man. Again, really appreciate your energy and your time to chat with us and share with the Pure Golf Collective. I think we'll definitely have to do it again, um, get a little discussion around equipment or something perhaps as you've been uh, immersed in that space now for quite some time. And uh, like I said, doing some really cool things over at Modern Golf. So would love to do it again. Uh, but for now, appreciate your appreciate your time and uh, all your cool stories and insights. Absolutely, yeah, I would have, yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really, really enjoyed it. Definitely looking forward to that next conversation with Pete down the road here. We really hope that you guys enjoyed that discussion. Maybe there are some cool takeaways or just enjoyment from hearing those experiences that Pete shared with us. For the listeners. What we would like to extend to you guys is the opportunity for you guys to share a hole that you struggle with, a hole that you know you have not had much success on, a hole that you question how you could tactically go about it. And John and I would like to caddy it for you. So what you're going to do or what you can do if you like is reach out to us with a particular hole from a particular course that you have struggled with or you're interested in learning about how you can tactically and strategically go about making a better score on it more often. Reach out to us on Instagram, slide in the DMs over there, let us know and we can get the conversation started there. Otherwise, looking forward to continuing the discussion on caddying and the caddy next week. And until then, keep celebrating all that is pure in the game we love. If you like the show, please subscribe and tell a friend or write a review. We look forward to continuing this journey with you all.